It's so wonderful to be in the house of the Lord, for us to be here in one, as one heart and to share our worship and our praise this morning. Won't you please stand and join us? If you are here for the first time, welcome everyone. If you maybe just turn to the person next to you and say, if I don't know you, this is who I am. Let's pray. Father God, we are just so in awe of you, Lord, and your love and your mercy and your faithfulness that never ceases. Thank you, Father, that your word is written in our hearts. Thank you that we have become part of your story, Jesus, that we are included in eternal life that you have come to this earth to make that possible for us. Thank you, Father. Thank you for sending your son. We worship and adore you. And this morning, we just want to run to you, Father. And we know that your arms are open wide. And we just want to run into your throne room. And with the angels, we want to cry out, holy, holy, holy are you. We worship you. And we love you. Amen. Oh 
join with all the angels singing, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. Father, you are faithful. You are good. You are merciful. And your love is the sweetest love there is. So we thank you, Father, for your presence that is always with us. Emmanuel, we love you, Lord. We adore you. We worship you, Lord. Thank you for being with us. Emmanuel. So tangible. We love you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray this. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Good morning, church. It's so good to be together. I'm Dee for those that don't know me, and um, he is faithful, he is kind. And um, I know Letitia wrote that song with our new theme this year, and what really hit me is that this is the first Christmas celebration in eternity. I know it's not the real day that they have a birthday, but for us, it's the first Christmas in eternity that Jesus hears this song being played. Isn't that beautiful? That we're going to have eternity singing new songs to our King. So you are so welcome this morning to our first time guests. Thank you for spending some of your beach time with us. I know that as you put him first, all things will be added unto you. And that also means you'll get a good spot at the beach maybe later. <laughs> but we really do welcome you. It's so lovely. So on that note, I get the honor of sharing offering this morning. And I'm going to read to you from Luke 21, verse 1 to 4. It says, Jesus observed all the wealthy coming into the temple courts, wanting to be noticed as they came with their offerings. He noticed a very poor widow who dropped two small copper coins in the offering box. Listen to me, he said, this poor widow has given a larger offering than any of the wealthy, for the rich only give out of their surplus, but she sacrificed out of her poverty and gave to God all that she had to live on. And the reason this scripture rose up in my heart when, when it came to offering this morning is Steve shared something with me yesterday, and for those that are family, I want you to know my heart is that I have never looked at the finances. I don't know where the account is. I don't know who's giving, what giving, who's coming in. I have never seen what is going on with our church's finances. We have other people that are in charge of that, and I just choose to love on purpose without any T's and C's. But what he did share with me, which was really has blessed my heart, is that he just shared how our family giving, our church's giving, is made up of so many people faithfully giving what they have and what they can give. And so often we, we love the miraculous. We love the big offerings and we, we, we're grateful for that. But I wanted to share with the family today how grateful we are for the 500s, the 1,000s, the 2,000s, the 50 rands. 
Because just as much as Jesus saw this widow's heart, I want to tell you that God is building his kingdom. And when we all get a chance to sow seed, we all get a chance to play, he is building this kingdom. And sometimes we may think, well, is my 500 rand going to make a difference? I want to tell you it is. And not only is it changing your life as you begin to grow in your generosity, but it's also helping us to change the lives of our community. So thank you from behalf of the leadership to, to every one of you that are so faithful in giving what God has laid on your heart. That it's not just about the amount. It's also about you being faithful to the kingdom of God. So thank you for that. We really love you. We appreciate you. And there are many ways to give into Nisna Vineyard. You can see them on the board. We do have um, boxes at the entrance that you can to um, give cash at the end. There really are ways we can help grow this community. And then my hunky husband is going to bless us this morning. Good morning again. So I've got a great joke for you. Two young boys were spending the night at their grandparents' house. And at bedtime, the two boys kneel beside their beds to say their prayers. And the youngest begins praying at the top of his lungs. I pray for a new bicycle. I pray for a new bicycle. I pray for a new bicycle. His older brother leans over and nudges the younger brother and says, why are you shouting your prayers? God isn't deaf. The younger brother replies, no, but grandma is. <laughs> so we've got one day until Christmas. So we have our Christmas Eve service, as uh, Dee said. So I'll be preaching the same message tonight as I will be tomorrow. Okay, so the only difference between tonight and tomorrow is the praise and worship will be different. So, so if you like the message tonight, invite your friends and bring them tomorrow. Okay. So we've been doing our series called Behold, and we've taken it out of Luke chapter 2. So let's read from verse 8 to 14 in Luke chapter 2 together. It says, Now they were in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, there's that word, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, there we go again. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. So as we've listened or heard from Dee and from Nick, the word behold here, it's, 
a word that is used throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's used over 1,200 times in the Old Testament, 234 times in the New Testament, and it's defined in this way. In the Hebrew, the word behold means to perceive through sight, to gaze upon, to observe. In the Greek, it means to know, to see, or to be sure to see. It's indicating to us that we need to pay close attention to the words that are coming after the word behold. It means look so that you understand. It means comprehend what is being communicated. It's saying don't miss this. This is an observable fact. And I like that definition. It's like when you see the word behold, it means pay attention. Don't miss what is being communicated right here. And we saw here, it says here, behold, there is going to be a message of good news that is being proclaimed that will produce great joy and it'll be to all people. So he's saying, behold, don't miss this. Pay attention. There is going to be a savior that is going to be born, but he's going to proclaim good news, which will produce joy in you. And it's going to be for everybody. Nobody's excluded. And I like that. So open your eyes to see this. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it talks here about beholding as well. And it says it this way from verse 17. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the spirit. So he's saying here, when I begin to behold the Lord, when I begin to actually gaze into who the Lord really is, it's gonna produce freedom in me. And as I continue to behold the glory of the Lord, the Bible says I'm transformed from the inside out. And I'm transformed from one degree of glory to another degree of glory. So he's saying here in this portion of scripture, in Luke chapter two, it says, behold, again, an angel of the Lord spoke and the glory of the Lord shone around them. There's that word glory as well. So he's saying here, when I begin to behold the glory of God and what the glory of God represents, I'm transformed from the inside out. So the word glory here not only means splendor and brightness, and there's an English word copiousness, which I don't know what it means, but it's one of the English words. And it also means God's good view and opinion, which is reality. So he's saying, when I begin to behold God's good view and opinion, which is reality, when I begin to behold that, it produces freedom in me and I'm transformed from one degree of God's goodness into another degree of God's goodness, which is reality. See, for many people, they are wanting change, but they think that change comes through self-effort. The Bible says that transformation comes by beholding something, by beholding the glory of the Lord. Because my view of God changes me. What I behold, I become. So if I see God as hard and judgmental, and critical, I'm transformed into that same image. And that's the reason why you'll encounter religious people 
who are self-righteous and are judgmental and critical and easily angered because that is their view of God. Because the Bible says that as I behold him, I'm transformed and changed into that same image. So it's so important that you and I behold God for who he truly is because I'm gonna get changed into that same image. I'm transformed into what I'm beholding. So it's so important that I begin to discover who God has declared himself to be, not what religion wants to portray him to be. And how did God reveal himself? Well, he revealed himself in the Old Testament through his covenant names. And there's seven or eight covenant names that God has revealed himself as. He's revealed himself as your peace, as your healer, as your banner of love, as your righteousness. So God revealed himself in the Old Testament and he revealed himself to people in the Old Testament in a certain way, the people of Israel, the leaders of Israel. And God revealed himself that way and he revealed himself through his son, Jesus. The Bible says, Jesus said in John 14, 9, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So the way that Jesus treated people is the way that God treats people. In Hebrews 1, it says that Jesus is the exact imprint of the Father. So it's so important that I get the right view of God through the life of Jesus and how God has revealed himself. Amen? Not what religion tells you. And what I'm talking about is the way I grew up in church. Religion portrayed God as mean and angry and distant and judgmental. And I had to renew my mind to the truth of who God is and experienced his love in a, an experiential way, which I then had to take that experience and match it with, with what, how God has shown himself to be. Amen? And one of the people that God revealed himself to was Moses. In Psalm 107, it says, or 103 verse 7, it says that God made he known his ways to Moses, but his acts to the children of Israel. So he showed the children of Israel what he did, but he showed Moses how he did it. He showed him his ways. And you see, the ways there is like, this is how you can perceive my inward character, Moses, because you will know me. And so God wants you to meet with him in the Holy of Holies so that he can reveal his character and nature to you. So let's see how God describes himself to Moses so that we can see how to engage with God because Moses asked God, he said, I want you to show me your glory. Now remember, when I behold the glory of the Lord, I'm transformed. And Moses asked, show me your glory. So let's read this in Exodus chapter 33 from verse 13. Moses is praying. He says, now therefore I pray you, if I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways that I may know you. So that's his prayer. He's saying, God, I want you to show me how you do things so that I can know who you are. I don't wanna know just what you've done. Because remember, Moses had seen miracles. He'd seen a staff turn into a snake. He'd seen God work miracles through the plagues. He'd seen God 
give quail from the heavens. He'd seen water gushing from a rock. God had seen, I mean, Moses had seen the Red Sea parted. So Moses had seen miracles, but he's saying, that's not enough for me. I don't, I don't wanna know what you do. I know you're a God of miracles and that's great. He's saying here, but I wanna know you. I wanna know how and why you do things. And that's his prayer here. So that I might find favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. And then God responds and he says, my presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. Now, isn't that a wonderful attribute that when I begin to know God, I'm gonna start to live a life of rest. See, and that is the same thing that Jesus said. Jesus said, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, come unto me and I will give you rest. See, it's the attribute of God that when I'm in relationship with God, I'm living a life of rest. And then Moses says, if your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. He's saying, listen, your, your presence, an intimate relationship with you means that I'm gonna be living a life of rest. And Moses says, well, that's what I want. And if your presence doesn't go with me, I'm not going anywhere because I wanna live a life of rest. The word rest here means to be free from investigation. In James 1, it says that God will not tempt, test, or scrutinize your life. God is not the one investigating your life to find out what's wrong with you. God is in a relationship with you so that you can discover how good he is. Hello? Because God's not looking for perfect people. He's looking for people who will trust him and believe that he's good. So he says here, if your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. For how then can it be known that I found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by your going with us so that we, I and your people may be distinguished from all the other people who are upon the face of the earth? He's saying, God, I wanna know who you really are because I want us to be distinguished from all these other pagans who believe all sorts of other things about all sorts of other gods. And so what is gonna distinguish us from the rest of these people? The Lord said to Moses, I'll also do this thing for which you've spoken for you have found favor in my sight and I've known you by name. And Moses said, I pray you, show me your glory. Show me your splendor. Show me your brightness. Show me how, who you are. And then the Lord says, I myself will make all of my goodness pass before you. So here Moses is saying, I wanna see your splendor and I wanna see your glory. And God responds, if you wanna see my glory, you're gonna see my goodness because my glory is attached to my goodness. And he says this, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. But the Lord says, you cannot see my face for no man can see me and live. Then the Lord said, behold, there is a place. There's that word behold, pay attention. There is a place by me. 
and you shall stand there on the rock and it'll come about that while my glory is passing by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I've passed by. Then I will take my hand away and you will see my back, but my face shall not be seen. So he says to Moses, Moses, you've asked to see my glory and I'm gonna let you know that my glory is attached to my goodness, but my goodness is so good that you cannot see me face to face because nobody can see my goodness and, and live because you're not good, but I am. And my goodness is so good that if you have to see me, you're gonna die. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna put you in the cleft of the rock. I'm gonna cover my hand or put my hand over you and I'm gonna walk past and I'm gonna proclaim who I am and then you'll see my back parts. Amen? You with me? So, Moses is like, okay, I'm in. Exodus chapter four, next chapter. So the Lord said to Moses, cut out for yourself two stone tablets like the former ones, and I'll write on the tablets the words that won the former tablets which you shattered. See, Moses wrote the 10 commandments but broke all 10 of them at one time. says, so be ready by morning and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai and present yourself there to me on the top of the mountain. No man is to come up with you, nor let any man be seen anywhere on the mountain. Even the flocks and the herds, they may not graze in front of that mountain. So he cut out two stone tablets like the former ones and Moses rose up early in the morning and went up to Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him. And he took two stone tablets in his hand. Now remember, Moses has said, I wanna know you, God. I don't wanna know just what you do. I wanna know who you are, and I wanna see your glory. And God said, okay, you're gonna see my goodness, and I'm gonna cover you, and I'm gonna proclaim who I am to you. And so the Lord descended in the cloud and stood there with him, and he called upon the name of the Lord, and the Lord passed by in front of him and began to proclaim. The Lord the Lord God. So in the Hebrew there, it's the word, I am Jehovah. I am the self-existent, all-sufficient one. I am the Lord, there is none who is above me. I am compassionate and gracious. The word compassion, compassionate here is the word in Hebrew, chesed, which means I am merciful. I have a love, an attachment love. That's who I am. And I am gracious. I am slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth. Who keeps loving kindness for thousands. Who forgives iniquity, transgression and sin. Yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. Some translations don't even have that in there visiting the iniquity of fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. Moses made haste to bow low toward the earth and worship. What is he gonna visit the third and fourth generation with? Mercy, compassion, grace, forgiving, sin, transgression, and iniquity. 
He visits the third and fourth generation with who he is. And Moses hears this, he makes low and he bows down toward the earth and he worships. And he says, if now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, I pray, let the Lord go along in our midst, even though the people are obstinate and pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us as your own possession. So God tells Moses who he is. And Moses responds and he's like, Lord, if you are the self-existent Jehovah, there is none who is above you. If you are merciful and gracious and kind and long-suffering and slow to anger and you forgive to the third and the fourth generation, he's like, come and be with us because we are obstinate and we are stiff-necked and we are a rebellious people. So we need you to come and visit us with your mercy and your long-suffering and your kindness because you are slow to anger, because you are so good, please come and be with us. You see, friends, when we begin to behold the glory of the Lord, when we begin to pay attention and look intently and gaze into the goodness of God, into the fact that he is merciful, that he is gracious, that he is long-suffering, that he is slow to anger, that he forgives iniquity in sin. When I begin to behold the glory and the goodness of the Lord, the Bible says something happens on the inside of me. I'm transformed. I'm changed inwardly because I'm beholding the goodness of God. And remember the word glory here is the word God's good view and opinion, which is reality. There is a reality out there, but am I beholding God's good view and opinion, which is reality? Or am I beholding circumstances? Am I beholding what's going on around me? Am I beholding what's going on inside of me? Or am I beholding Him? Remember, this is a message of behold, there is good news, which will produce great joy, which will be to all people. See, the Savior came, the Savior was born so that he could reveal the truth of God's true character and nature to us. That God is a good father and that he wants the best for you. The Bible says, yeah, he's slow to anger. Why do we have this view and opinion that God is short-tempered? The Bible says a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. And 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, I'm coming quickly. So if he's quickly, he's 2,000 years. How slow is slow? (laughs) You can't live long enough to tick God off. He keeps loving kindness for thousands. In 2 Corinthians 3, remember what it's saying here. It says, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. There is freedom. See, this is the opposite of legalism. Legalism is bondage. The Bible says we have now received the Spirit of the Lord, not the Spirit which leads us back into bondage and fear. See, legalism is not freedom. Legalism is bondage, a relationship with the living God. When I begin to understand and behold and experience God in his goodness, it produces a freedom. 
And then he goes on, and we all with unveiled face. Remember when Moses, after he had this encounter with God, he comes down from the mountain and people couldn't look at him face to face. His face was shining so brightly that he had to wear a veil just so that he could converse with people. Because he encountered and experienced God's goodness in such an experiential, profound way, it changed Moses. And it says that you and I, with an unveiled face, there is no longer the veil of legalism. There is no longer the veil of the to-do list. There is no longer the veil of commandments that we need to fulfill to now please God. That has been taken away. We now behold, the Bible says, we behold the glory of the Lord, the goodness of God. We begin to behold his reality of who he is, how he has described himself. He described himself as I am merciful. He described himself as I am gracious. I am compassionate. I have loving kindness for thousands. I am the one who forgives. God described himself that way. And when I behold this, the Bible says, I am transformed into the same image where I start to become merciful. I start to become kind. I start to becoming slow to anger. I start to be the one who forgives iniquity and sin when I, transgression has come against me because I'm changed into the same image of how I view God. And for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. God is the one who works in and, in, in and through you. Hallelujah. Behold the goodness of God. Look intently into who he is. He is good. He is merciful, gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth, keeping loving kindness and truth, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. And God showed Moses, man, I'm different to the other gods. This is the good tidings of great joy. He is good and he is good all the time. God is good and all the time because he really is. In Romans 2, 4, it says, do you despise the riches of his goodness, his forbearance or patience and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Repentance here means to change your mind. It's when I begin to discover the goodness of God that I change my mind about him. Where I begin to repent, I go in a different direction because it's like, it's God's good, God being good to me even when I'm not good. Because he can't change who he is, he's good. See, and what happens is we go through life and we experience circumstances that are not good, but then we will say, God allowed it, or God did it, or God was the cause, or God was trying to teach me something. Yet Jesus himself clearly said, I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Very clear. So anytime I experience something that is not good, it's not because God is allowing it or trying to do something or controlling things or all this mystical 
rubbish. Sure. I almost swore from the pulpit there. God still loves me, brother. Jesus was so clear. If there is stealing, killing, and destruction, Jesus said, it's not me. It's the thief. Yet what we do when we go through circumstances where there's stealing, killing, and destruction, we blame God. And the devil is having a field day because he works, he's stealing, killing, and destruction, and then he comes and whispers in your ear, look what God has allowed. And he points to his own work and blames God. And we buy into it. Yeah, look what God's done. God's trying to teach me a lesson. Don't worry, God's in control. No, no, God allowed it because he wants to show you something, brother. And then you ask him, well, what's he trying to show you? I don't know yet. <laughs> it will be revealed. It's just mystical rubbish because God didn't reveal himself to be that. Jesus never revealed himself to be that. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, You've seen the Father. I don't ever read that in any scripture. Yet people will quote this nonsense. In Psalm 107 verse 1, it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. In Psalm 145 verse 8 and 9, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works. Bible in the New Testament, Jesus said he causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. He's kind to the wicked, the unmerciful and the unthankful. It's like, oh, really? That means you and me. Don't just think of your neighbor. In Psalm 34, verse 8, it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. (laughs) He's saying this is an experience. He's saying, taste and see. Go and taste and see that the Lord is good. God wants us for you to have an experience of his goodness where you can testify, I've tasted and I've seen that God is good. My circumstances may not be, but I know God is. God is good. All the time. And, and this is coming from David, who was an adulterer and a murderer. He wrote this. Taste and see that the Lord is good because he would, the Bible says he would wake up looking and longing for the loving kindness of the Lord. He was a man after God's own heart because he knew what was in God's heart, that God was merciful. And that's why he found favor, David, even though he'd made bad decisions. He still experienced redemption. You see, there's redemption for every single one of us. No matter how bad we've been, no matter how many bad mistakes we've made, there is always redemption when I begin to look into the eyes of God's goodness. It's when I begin to see God for who he really is where I begin to experience redemption. And God knows we all need redemption. How many of you have not made a bad, or or how many of you have lived a perfect life, all of you? Put up your hands, because I want to cast out that lying spirit. (laughs) We all are in need of God's goodness and mercy. 
See, the, a relationship with God is not for the perfect. A relationship with God is, is when I begin to discover how good and merciful and kind He is. It's not about, about my goodness, it's about His goodness. See, and this is the message of Christmas because the angel said, do not be afraid. You no longer have to be afraid of God because there is good news for you which will produce great joy and it'll be for everybody. In Revelations 21.3, it says, behold, there's that word again. The dwelling place of God is with man. God delights in dwelling in you and with you. God delights in being good and merciful toward you. In Psalm 23, 6, goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. God delights in dwelling with you. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. Let's rather be like Moses and say, Lord, I want you and my relationship with you to distinguish me from all those other things out there. And what will distinguish me from all the other things out there is I have testament. I have tasted and seen of your goodness. It's like, pick me, Lord. You wanna pick somebody to be a demonstration of your goodness? Hey, I can be obstinate, rebellious and stiff-necked like the children of Israel, but I know, pick me. You can be yourself with me. You can be merciful to me. You can be kind and gracious and slow to anger. Pick me. If you need a candidate to be yourself with, <laughs> pick me. You want to be merciful to somebody? Mercy means from God's, the depth of his bowels to be kind and compassionate towards. It means to treat somebody better than they deserve. I'm like, God, you, you need somebody. Even though they might be rebellious, obstinate, stiff-necked, you need somebody to forgive, but you need somebody to be merciful to? My hands up first, both hands. Pick me front of the queue. Good tidings of great joy. In Revelations 21.5, and it says, he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I'm making all things New. Whatever you've experienced in 2023, maybe you've had bad news, maybe you've experienced bad news, maybe you have not had a great year. Jesus says, behold, take a look here. I make all things new. I can make all things new in your relationships. I can make all things new in your body. I can make all things new in your heart. I can make all things new with regards to finances, business opportunities, behold, I make all things new. Jesus was born to demonstrate God's goodness to each one of us. Can I behold him? Can I pay attention and behold his mercy, his kindness, his grace, his love, his forgiveness? Can I gaze upon it? Can I meditate on it, ponder on his goodness and taste and see that the Lord is good? So I wanna leave you quickly with three ways to persuade your heart, three ways to behold him. And number one is through contemplation, through meditation, where I begin to think about and dwell about what you're hearing this morning and dial down the noise of all that's going wrong, 
all of the lack that you might be expecting. Dial the, don't allow those things to affect your heart. And dial up and focus in and behold and meditate and contemplate and think about God's goodness, how he is faithful and true, that he's brought you this far, he'll never leave you. He will never forsake you. Behold, don't miss this. Psalm 1, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law. Think of the law. When you read the law in the Old Testament, just see it as his divine prescription for life. Don't see it as a legalistic requirement. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water which yields fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and in whatever he does, he prospers. In contemplation, you slow down. You slow your heart and your mind down to ponder on God's goodness. You mull over his promises. Allow them to sink into your soul, into your heart. Read his word thoughtfully. Think about how good God is. Begin to make a decision in your heart to say, I'm gonna choose to believe that God is good all the time, irrespective of what life throws at me. Because it's when I believe God's goodness that I come through the other side, experiencing redemption. Secondly, begin to praise and worship him for who he really is. You know, the Bible says there in Luke chapter two, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. When the angels, they they were like, behold, man, there's gonna be good tidings of great joy for all people. They couldn't contain themselves. There was no silent night here. (laughs) This news was so good, the angels couldn't contain themselves. They're like, man, for the first time in thousands of years, there is gonna be peace and goodwill from God toward men. They weren't singing Silent Night, I promise you. (laughs) They couldn't contain themselves. You see, there's sometimes when I begin to extol and praise and worship and I begin to declare the goodness of God, man, I'm changed. Something happens to my heart. In Psalm 96, It says, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Proclaim good tidings of his salvation from day to day. Tell of his glory among the nations, his wonderful deeds among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. In Ephesians 5, it encourages us. Don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Sing in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, making melody with your heart to the Lord. Begin to just extol and worship God. Begin to declare His majesty and His goodness. We're joining together with the angels to declare who God really is. And then thirdly, just be obedient. Do what God puts on your heart to do because it encourages your heart. Take a step of faith. In James 1, it says, but prove yourselves doers of the word, not merely hearers who delude themselves. So do it. Go and extol God. Go and praise him. Go and meditate on his word. Go and do it. Don't just walk out of here and say, flip, man, that was a good message. (laughs) 
Walk out of here and say, you know what? I'm gonna make a decision for 2024 that I'm gonna taste and see that God is good and that he's good to me. Not just how God's good for my neighbor. No, God is good to me. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he's looked at himself and gone away, he's immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty. Remember, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. This man will be blessed in what he does. Meditate on his word. Meditate on his promises. Meditate on his goodness. Begin to sing and extol his goodness. Begin to persuade your heart and lead your heart in a direction into intimacy with your father. That he's merciful and kind and slow to anger and gracious and that he desires for you to experience abundant life. And then do it. Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? We become what we behold. So, Empowered by the Spirit of God, let's behold the glory of the Lord Jesus. Let's meditate on His Word, sing His praise, obey Him. And the more clearly we see Him, the more we are transformed into His likeness. And His favor, as you enter into an intimate relationship with His goodness, His mercy, His kindness, man, you're going to live a life of rest. Because you're going to see God being himself with you. Why don't you bow your heads this morning? Close your eyes. Maybe you came here this morning. You don't know Jesus personally. Maybe you know about God. Maybe you know about his acts. Jesus was born so that you could know God personally. The Bible is clear. It says you must be born again. There is only one way to God the Father, and that is through receiving the greatest gift of all. That's the gift of Jesus. And I believe if you have never received Jesus, that God loves you so much that he has brought you here today that you could receive the greatest gift of all, an intimate relationship with God through his son, Jesus. So if you're standing here, in your heart, you know you've never received Jesus, but you wanna do that this morning. I wanna pray for you, not embarrass you, call you to the front. I just wanna lead you in a prayer. If that's you and you say, yes, Steve, please pray for me this morning. I wanna receive Jesus. Why don't you just slip up your hand quickly so I can see you. And I'm gonna lead you in a simple prayer to receive Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Can we pray with those who lifted their hands and those who wanted to. If you'd like to pray this prayer, why don't you just pray after me? Just say, Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for the gift of your Son. I believe in you, Jesus. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. And I believe you are Lord of all. Thank you for saving me. Thank you that I'm forgiven. I'm made righteous, I'm adopted as your child, and I'm in your family. Thank you for making all things new.
Father, we're so grateful that you have given your son. Jesus, we're so grateful that you came and were born as a man. Father, thank you that you stay the same, that you're merciful, kind, gracious, that you forgive. We're so grateful, Father. Jesus, you're a merciful and faithful high priest. Father, your throne is a throne of grace where we obtain mercy. We're so grateful this morning, Father. Jesus, if you hadn't been born, we would have no access to you, Father. And so we're grateful this morning. You're so kind. And Lord, we wanna behold you for who you are and be transformed in the process. And Lord, we wanna declare Let our eyes be a demonstration and a witness of your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. For those of you who put up your hands or one or two at the exit of the church there, there is a little table there that says, what now? We'd love to just give you a book, help you in your journey with God and just take up down your name to help you in your walk with God. So please, as you exit the church on your right-hand side, Don't forget, if you brought cash, you can put money into the offering boxes at the back there. We have a ministry team that would love to pray with you this morning. And always remember, you are highly favored and deeply loved of God. We'll see you tonight or tomorrow morning. God bless you. Have a great Sunday.